everybody. Welcome to episode 143 of the Go Gorilla Filmcast, your source for all things indie film. I am one of your hosts, Sashia Dumont. I'm another host, Paul Robinson, and we're here today to talk to you about some things. Yeah, I know. It's going to be a short one because you've got some... Uh, been very busy lately. You've got you've got some side work that you're doing for the, uh, the live action Naruto. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's been a fun client for you. Yeah. So, Re-anime. Yeah. R-E colon anime. Yeah. Let's check it out. If you wanna, if you wanna see Paul's collaborative work in there, because it's there's a whole bunch of people working on it. But yeah, you're doing some of the stuff there. Yeah, it's been a fun project. Yeah, so uh, um, might be fun to to have uh, that guy on, talk about it. Yeah, yeah. Once it's done, I think we'll have him on and chat. Yeah. So um, we're we're kind of kicking it old school this week. We've had stuff that we wanted to watch, but uh, there's there's not been a whole bunch of time. So. Um, we're going to touch on two subjects. Okay. Two belts. And uh, one of them is what we look for in content mm-hmm. for potential viewers. <clears throat> and the other is Amazon's brilliant move with short film. Mm. So uh, we're going we're gonna to start with, this is a tricky one because I wondered, like, should should we have this conversation because I don't want it to seem like it's backbiting and, um, you know, there's the, the towing the line of information versus criticism, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, first things first, if you're not if you're not receptive to criticisms, mm-hmm. this is probably the worst yeah. business for you to be in. Yeah, it will be soul crushing. At some point in your career. Well, the funny thing is, is there's never, it's so hard to determine true criticism. You know, it seems like everybody that has something to say about your work, whatever it is, short film, feature film, whatever, um, has an agenda of some sort. You know, mm-hmm. whether that's a personal agenda to just, to just hate you or if it's an agenda to uh, get more eyeballs on their article about your film by giving some kind of salacious headline and then, you know, um, well, you know, it's that world of like, where you know we live in this society of like where anger gets more views than likes. Yeah, and <clears throat> that isn't to say that we're impervious to criticism. There's always a little part of criticism that's a bit soul crushing, but it's more about how long that follows you for. Are you able to just kind of sit with that criticism for an hour and then just go like, "Meh, all right," or is it affecting the way that you work? And function in the future with films, you know, it shouldn't do that, I guess, is my point. Yeah. But we've gotten we've gotten criticisms in reviews that made no sense to us. Yeah. And we've read something and been like, what? You know? So mm-hmm. and they we've been... also read stuff and like, yeah, that's the point. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So it, it's not to say that we like every criticism we get, we're like, ah. Mm-hmm. I see what you've done here. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, I mean, usually when you read a crit- criticism, it's like, that's not what I was doing at all, or that's not what was done at all. I mean, like, you know, we've mentioned before, like, we've been accused of ADRing when we didn't ADR. So, but that was kind of like, again, it was um, it was a nasty approach, mm-hmm. right? Like when the person was so sure that it was ADR'd, and so it, it, it was a snarky comment had they just said like, oh, was this 80 yard in their mind? They're thinking it is. But if they had right. approached it differently, we could have been like, no, actually, it wasn't. But to be like, well, clearly this whole thing was 80 yard. It was like, what are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> so we, you know, we've gotten criticisms on stuff that just didn't make sense to us. But it's like, OK, um, you kind of have to wonder, is everyone seeing it that way? Is that like the common is that the consensus here? I don't yeah. know what's going on, but. Um, yeah, so we get, we get sent a lot of things and people will reach out to us and, and, you know, some of those people have wound up being guests, which is awesome. And, um, sometimes we kind of have to pass and I wanted to discuss, because someone had asked like, what exactly, what are you looking for in, in, in content when somebody sends you something? And that's, I don't know. I mean, that, that, that's such a wide range of things. But and it's kind of a loaded question, too. Yeah. But there's always like the main things, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, information is always wonderful coming with an with an email, right? If you say, hey, this is our, this is my first film mm-hmm. and this is what I have. Knowing that I can go in like, OK, so 
if the audio is not great, if the quality is not great image wise, this is probably why this is mm -hmm. their first shot at it, you know? Yeah. So that means a lot because I, I, I especially would be willing to forgive a lot of mistakes if I know the backstory, I guess. But a lot of the times we get sort of, uh, uh, films or, or trailers or whatever are sent to us in, in a sort of uh, press kit format. Yeah. <clears throat> so this person's already like dead set on like this was done right. Yeah, you get the, the you know, the, and look, it's hard, I'm sure, when you're reaching, when you are uh, trying to promote your film and you're reaching out to so many people to have a kind of templated email that's just is like basically a small <clears throat> press kit in the email form and then they attach the press kit and mm -hmm. go look at the trailers and there's this whole bio on the director and all that sort of stuff and and I don't know there's it's it's impersonal a little bit you know I mean but I get it too at the same time you yeah know? that doesn't actually bother me I don't even read through those things to be quite honest with you when there's a generally press kit yeah I jump right to the trailer. I'm just like I want to see the trailer I don't care about any of that stuff like I don't care how many film fests because you're if, in. if the film is something that we're yeah. That, that we enjoy, then we'll we'll find all that stuff out. It's about the film for me first and mm -hmm. foremost. All yeah. that other information, if I'm interested in this film, I'll get from get from you during the interview. But like in the email, I don't read, I don't open all those I think attachments. Well, my and point stuff. is, yes, yeah, I think it can save a lot of time with just a quick little five sentence thing and a link to the trailer. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, in the business, I mean, you can attach the press kit. A obviously, press kit is like the way to do it and yeah. they want all of that detailed information your music and copyrights and all this stuff is yeah. necessary but um i just it's not something i'm personally interested i just go i go straight for the meat on the plate yeah <laughs> i'm sticking my fork in that short rib and uh if it gives me trouble then i'm not coming back to the plate <laughs> yeah but um so i i want to i want to say this as as gently as possible um I will give an example of something that was sent to us that really did not work. And I feel like it's a good example of um, a very like overstepping the line of trying to be artistic. Mm -hmm. You have like people that are just naturally kind of visionaries in the way, you know, like I expect Paul Thomas Anderson. Sure. What he gives you, I expect that. Mm -hmm. That's like what you expect from Fincher. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they have a style. It works for them. And there are styles out there that people love certain filmmakers that I don't. Yeah. They, they just don't work. Right? I generally don't like their style of their film. I don't think it's terrible, but it's just not something that jumps at me. Yeah. But that's how it works for others. And that's how they got their claim to fame. So great. You know. Yeah. Sure. To, each, to each their own. Um, but this felt incredibly forced. Mm-hmm. It was like a cooking spoon to the uvula yeah. of overly artistic visuals mm -hmm. and an attempt at just seeming artistically obscure. Yeah. And all it did was annoy the crap out of me. <laughs> yeah. I was like, so it, it was a trailer. That, okay. So like first, there's general rules to things in the business but there's always people that kind of go past it. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it works for them, sometimes it doesn't. But generally, I have never really seen, I have never watched a nearly four minute trailer that I enjoyed. Yeah. Every single time I've gone, why is this nearly four minutes or five minutes? It is, yeah, this is a, a short, short film. film. <laughs> yeah. Like, this is ridiculous. Um, and so there's only two ways that I see people do this, right? Because I think there's really only two ways that you can go with that. You either make an incredibly long trailer that has your entire story. You've basically told yeah. your entire story. I've seen your film. Now I have no interest in seeing the actual feature because I've seen your your trailer, which was far too long. Or the space is filled with pretentious artistry. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, that's hard to watch for 30 seconds, let alone nearly four minutes. Yeah. I don't want to watch some like abstract vision of film for nearly 40 minutes. Yeah. Four minutes. <laughs> it feels well, like I mean, 40 in, minutes. Unless you know that going in. You know what I mean? If if you're in the mood for that sort I of thing. I wouldn't go or, in. That's the thing. Well, I personally exactly, wouldn't go in. You know, but there, I'm sure there's people that would. And I just feel like, you know, I've been trying to get away from trailers. Even when I do watch trailers, if I see, you know, some artwork or I've heard of something... I'll watch the trailer. Then the minute that I realize that I think I might like this, I got to shut I've it done off. That. Yeah, you know. Um, but 
knowing at least knowing the 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 tone going in I think is helpful in that regards mm-hmm. because I think you know with a film like that you're going in thinking that there's a, a some kind of narrative st- structure that you can relate to or use you know whatever it is and not that everybody has to fit into that category it's just my point is that knowing that going in when when something is is more artistic and is not something that you could be expecting in that way I think it's it can be helpful knowing that going in mm-hmm. and I look we we review films because we love films and and that's obviously why we're here but Part of why we also review films is to just sort of like set that tone. If you go through, and I realize a lot of people that, you know, they send you a press kit, they've never even listened to your podcast. It's just like, it's a film podcast, boom, and they just send it out, you know. But if you were to listen to the show, you would know what kind of films we generally gravitate to. And it's all over the spectrum. Don't get me wrong. We watch completely different films, but... If you don't see, like, there's a reason why we don't review those obscure artsy fartsy movies because we just don't like yeah. them. Um, so the the issue, my gripes with this tra- this trailer that was sent to us was that a it was far too long. In fact, we didn't finish watching it. Mm. That's how long it was. That we gave up when we looked at the timeline. It was like there was still like another forty seconds or something like that. And we yeah. were like, this is just. I can't do this anymore because we've been doing this for three plus minutes at this point and I'm done. Um, Secondly, I'm not a huge fan of an entire trailer having a voiceover. Mm. Be it through an, be it that the the reader is reading an article or radio. It just drives me kind of nuts. It's a case by case thing, you know, depending on if it works for the, you know, what the, I don't think it for me personally. For me personally, for trailer, it never no. works. It never works a tra- because a trailer because it's the whole show don't tell thing, and and yeah. I'm not opposed to voiceovers as a as a a method to help tell the story. But I think in a trailer, if you have to do that, then then your visuals aren't telling the story. Yeah, <clears throat> and then if you're doing it for artistic value, I don't know. I mean, I guess to each his own there. But for me, it can be distracting sometimes especially when it's if it, when it's supposed to be shorter two minutes or so or less than two minutes hopefully um i don't want to know that much about it and i feel like the voiceover yeah. is just you know well this also was um because it's not a voiceover that is like informing you on the the world or or anything like that it's, yeah, it's not just, like a, a news anchor that's right. different that's completely different i'm talking about like actually having someone narrate through yeah, yeah. a trailer which is like just tell the story through. That's the whole point of film is to tell the story through the visuals, you know. So, like, why am I listening to what's going on through somebody else? I mean, that's that's just an audio book at that point. And that's what it felt like. It felt like I was listening to an audio book that had visuals. Mm. And then my third gripe was that the visuals were magoo. It was like one person doing the same thing over and over and over again, just in different locations. Like, mm-hmm. it's like like a person just walking from point A to point B that's been like intercut with some visual. Yeah. And it's just like, what the fuck is this movie about? (laughs) Even with the, you know, it's like, okay, it had like this weird ominous tone to it. So I was like, all right, I get that. But I still like, if it's as straightforward as the voiceover saying, then I already know the story. Why would I watch this movie? Yeah. And if it's not, then why am I listening to that? Yeah. You know, so I think it's just, it's really important to like know, you know, if that's the the avenue that you want to take, go for it. If that's what makes you happy, go for it. But you have to know that, that that's an acquired taste. You can't just shoot that out to people and expect everybody to be excited about this story because it's really vague or really obvious. Yeah. I can't tell which. Yeah. And one is no worse than the other. It's just like, why is this either really vague or really obvious? Yeah. It, I just, I kind of hate when, like a teaser's different, right? Teasers are usually very vague. And that's the whole point of it is to just sort of well, set they a used tone. To be. No, t- teasers still are. Trailers aren't. But like teasers, it's like you set a tone and it's also where you kind of get to go like, oh, okay, 
this was filmed nicely. Cinematography is good, good cinematography, nice color correcting. Mm -hmm. Like, all right. And this is either a comedy, a horror, yeah, thriller, yeah. a romance. You know, it, it's it's one of those things. That's where you just kind of it's sort of like a, a 30 second synopsis. Yeah. Quick synopsis of what the trailer, what to expect in the trailer. That's fine. But when your trailer itself is incredibly vague, I have no it's just a best way to take me out of something. Yeah. Because it's like you're holding you're holding a potato chip well, the, that I can't quite grab. The trailer itself, you know, was is is And I like potato chips. Yeah. <laughs> Salty pieces of potato. Um because uh, the trailer in and of itself is supposed to it is is the business side of your film. Mm -hmm. You know, because you want people to watch it and you want to get eyeballs there. So when you sometimes when you inject a lot of art in that side into that commerce, because it's essentially the commerce side of it, right? So mm -hmm. when you inject a lot of art in there, a lot of times it can turn people off. A lot of times it can make people excited to see your film. It's just a, yeah. but um, when you're releasing it uh, generally, then um, you have that, you have that, you, you run that risk and maybe that risk is worth it for you. And that's, that's cool. Um, but I think it's, I think it's important knowing that, you know, going mm -hmm. in. There's just too much information in trailers or there's not enough of information in trailers. And that's just something that I don't find very fun, I guess. Mm -hmm. So I just kind of wanted to to touch on that because I don't want people to think like, oh, they don't actually watch anything that you send them. We do. We, you know, we watch we watch a bunch of stuff, but sometimes we do like something. But it's like there's so many like we have guests line up and there's other films that we plan on watching. So it's we kind of have to push things and wait. Yeah. And to be quite honest with you, sometimes we watch something and it's like, I don't know. I have no questions about this, I guess. Or I have too many questions about this. Mm -hmm. And that's, they're not going to like that. You know, yeah. I, I don't. And it doesn't, you know, it doesn't always come down to quote unquote quality because to your point earlier, when you're talking about, you know, we like to know if this is your first film or some kind of story about the film, just so we know what we're, you know, so just so, so as, as a filmmaker, Words. yeah, as a filmmaker, you should never have to explain your film, right? You should just be, here's my film, whatever. But that's to, like, general people. But to each other, I feel like knowing, like, all right, well, this person shot this. We had a guest on the, the podcast a while back who the film was, like, it was a good film. It wasn't anything mind-blowing, but it wasn't bad at all. But the fact that he shot it all with, like, him and two people made the film like that much more impressive you know what i mean so i don't know who you're talking about and i don't want to ask because no <laughs> well yeah i mean you just have to go well, back I to guess... our catalog but the point the point is is that the that's what we love about the film so much about film is yeah. is the film itself but the story behind that film you know so if you know any film there's always going to be films that are better than your film whatever it is technically or audio quality or whatever but it's Generally, like the story you're telling is that interesting, A, and then B is like, what's the story behind this? There's always like, you know, it's as filmmakers, we're very interested in the behind the scenes stuff. So, well, there's movies, for instance, that I watch constantly, like if they're just on, I will watch them that aren't really Beetle amazing Juice, films. Goodfellas. No, those are amazing films. Okay. <laughs> uh, but there are things that I watch that aren't really amazing films, but still entertain me so much so that I'll continue to watch them. It's like, this wasn't the best comedy or the best horror that I've ever seen, but I really appreciate what they did with their budget or mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. And so the story is still interesting enough that I'll watch it. So that's what's important to understand. I want to make it seem like we're like, oh, some people's movies we have on subpar, but we have them on anyway. It's, it's like, no, it's, you know, no, I wasn't saying what's up part at all. I'm just saying. <laughs> there's, there's movies that are, I don't know how to explain it. Like there's movies that are just like, they. it's obviously a work of art, right? When you watch something like 1917, there's just no arguing that everything about this movie is going to be phenomenal. You have an amazing cinematographer, amazing director, great performances, grading is perfect. You know what I mean? Location is great. So it's like, the, there's those films that are like, yeah, this is like the, the the cream of the crop, if you will. But that doesn't mean that there aren't other films that are way below that that are still good. Right. I still enjoy. It's just different categories of stuff. You have your classic films that are just like all around great. You know, Silence of the Lambs and Goodfellas. And for me, yeah, like Beetlejuice, things like that were just like perfection. Um, and then you have films that weren't 
like cinematically perfect, but we're still really good or mm -hmm. really funny yeah. or really scary. Yeah. Blair Witch is a perfect example of that. Yeah. Okay. I will watch Blair Witch when it's on. There's people that hate that film. They're like, this is the dumbest thing. And first of all, you can't give like Gen Z Blair Witch. They don't know what to do with that. <laughs> uh, they think it's the worst thing that they've ever seen. And it's like, yeah, because there's no context for that. You weren't around when this came yeah. out. And so you don't have that sort of nostalgia with it. Right. Um, but at the time, I found that people either loved it or hated it. But I found like more people loved it than hated it because it was so vague mm. in a way that you were like is this it it's a like three people in a camcorder like this yeah. is oh, four people three was two guys in her or three guys i can't I remember, remember. Ooh. i don't remember it was the blondish guy the other guy i think it was two other guys or three oh god um i think it's three total yeah <laughs> but but anyway i saw that movie in the theater you know and I was thoroughly entertained because I didn't need for this to be filmed on the greatest. Well, at that time, you only had film. Yeah. So, you know, that was all you're going to be filming on. But it, it didn't ha there didn't have to be amazing cinematography. And, um, you know, the location was like it was the woods. Yeah. Was it? Yeah. The woods. They yeah. filmed in the woods with like what appeared to be a camcorder. Right. Or was the whole point of it looking like a camcorder and they are running around in the woods Yeah, and that's it. So is it the greatest horror movie I've ever seen? No, it's not the exorcist. Like for me, that, okay, that's a perfect example. Like the exorcist is all around fantastic horror. Film. You just like that for me, that's what you have to beat when it comes to like a horror movie is like, can it be as good as the exorcist? But that doesn't mean that there aren't subcategories that are equally entertaining. And Blair, yeah. which is a great example of that. Not the greatest film that was ever made, but I still really, really enjoyed it. Yeah. So sometimes we watch stuff that we're like, okay, that wasn't like flat out the best thing that I've ever seen. I'm not like, I didn't fall out of my chair and 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 stand up and applaud afterwards, but I still really enjoyed it enough that I want to talk to this person and see, you know, what was your budget? How did you work this out? What was your crew like? Like, that's still, I mean, our, that's... I hope our films fall into that category of like, that's so it's like, wouldn't you want your film to be great? Now, I know my films aren't great. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I'm well aware we don't make great films. I'm okay with that. Yeah. Like, I don't, I wouldn't be offended if somebody was like, oh, this was good. Hey, hey good's better than bad, right? Yeah. So <laughs> I yeah, got yeah. one leg up here. <laughs> like, if you liked it enough to want to talk to me about it, I'm okay with that. Mm -hmm. Didn't have to blow you away, but, you know, we did our best. And, but I, I feel like, unfortunately, there's there are very tender egos oh, in, yeah. in this business. And so it's like you can't say I, we are in such the minority. Mm -hmm. Like sometimes when we say that to other people, I've actually said that to other filmmakers and the look on their face. It's always the same. Like, what are you talking about? Why would you want anybody to tell you anything bad about your movie? It's yeah. like, well, because I'm sure not everyone's going to like it. Yeah. And I'm just saying, if you didn't like it, I want to know why. Is it just me? Yeah. I guess so. Um, <laughs> see you later. Uh, we're just very weird in that way that I would, like if someone gave me a negative review that didn't come with details, I would be like, well, can you give me more details? Whereas yeah. most people would be like, shut up. What have you made? Yeah. Which, look, there's a party well, that's I'll like, yeah, shut up. What have you made? But I mean, 60% <clears throat> of the time or probably 90% of the more, time, that's the case. More than that, yeah. Um, but if but. somebody that, if another filmmaker whose who's work I like said, you know, it just didn't quite work for me, I would be like, can you tell me why? You know what yeah. I mean? Like, that's just, that's not, what is that? It did What didn't work for you? All of it? Like, did all of it not work for you? Did the story not work for you? What didn't work? Yeah. Um, I would want to know. But unfortunately, most people don't. And I feel like that attitude could really keep you stuck. And you sort of plateau. Mm -hmm. You don't get moved past that because you don't want to hear anything negative about what you do. Double-edged sword. Yeah. You know, because there is a nice way to do it. Yeah. Well, everybody just wants everything they make to be the best thing anybody's ever seen. I know. I know. I should be the best thing anybody's yeah. ever seen. If you are entertained for 7 to 20 minutes, I'm good with that. If you're like, yeah. it wasn't the best thing I've ever seen, but it entertained me. Yeah. Fucking jackpot. Yeah. <laughs> That's and if you, if you say this entertained me more than the last one, I've won the lotto. Yeah. Right. Because because I've done better. Right. Yeah. I entertained you more than less. So there's growth. That's great. Especially if I respect your taste in film. Mm -hmm. 
That's a plus for me. I don't know. I I, I just kind of roll with that. Yeah. I'm okay with it. All right. Um, so that's kind of basically what we look for. Like, look, you know, if if you if you if in your press kit, if you tell me that you had a hundred thousand dollar budget and twenty five percent of this film is eighty yard, that yeah. ain't gonna work for me. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't wanna hear that audio if you got a hundred grand budget. If you have, you know, even D-list actors in your film, if you filmed in an expensive location, but your lighting is horrendous and your scenes are blown out, I won't, I, I can't look past that because there's just no excuse if you have the mean. These are things that, that if we can be cognizant of it, and, and sometimes, I mean, our audio, like that's, I feel like our audio is pretty decent. I, you know, I've never been like recently, Mm. I've never said like, wow, this audio is horrific. And there's a reason for that because we were finally like, okay, we have to do this right. We have to get yeah. actual sound engineers to do this so that it sounds good. Because we did listen to audio from, you know, much older stuff. And it was like, that is not good enough. Yeah. And once you know that, you can't continue that. Yeah. If you do, that's really irresponsible and stupid. Um, but yeah, sometimes there's just like that one scene that's like god that is still kind of blown out but yeah that's different but you know we watched movies that like practically every scene in front of a window is blown out and i'm yeah. like why <laughs> you know, like, yeah. why that shouldn't oh you know we have a million dollar budget you know million dollars yeah and i'm still watching every indoor scene in front of a window completely blown did you not have gels anything like yeah. could you like why some shears or something give me something um that kind of stuff to me is it's lazy. Yeah. And so that sort of becomes unforgivable. But when somebody says, like, we had two days to film uh, a 70-minute feature and uh, we had a crew of four yeah, and $5,000, I'm like, all right. I mean, yeah. your, your scene's blown but up. But you don't I know that going that. in, you know. It's that, you know, the average person. That's what's that's what's always so tough is, is that context. You know, if you take the film at face value, you're like, wow. Every shot in this house, the windows are just, there's issues with the windows and, you know, it's not blown out for artistic purposes. It doesn't seem to be, but then, you know, then you kind of write it off. But then when you find out the story behind it, there's, you know, there was two people that filmed this whole entire thing and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, and that, that, that's a tricky line because if you don't know that, well, you know what I mean? If you are, if you consider yourself to be a seasoned filmmaker, and you have a crew of two and twelve dollars, and you don't know how to fix a blown out window, then you do need to send in. Uh, the, the, uh, then you need to reel it in, okay? If you don't know, <laughs> if you don't know that, yeah. So th this is where the ego thing comes in, where it's like I realize, like, yeah. Look, my point is that if that is what your film looks like, mm -hmm. you're not sending a press kit out to distributors. Yeah. If you are, you're kidding yourself. Right? Well, you're not. How could you send that out? But if it's just like, well, we ran this in 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 the film festivals, or it's up on YouTube. Okay, because you're getting your feet wet, and I can respect that. Yeah. Like, I'll forgive a lot of that stuff. But if you're if you're the, the attitude you're bringing with with this film is that like, yeah, this is perfection. Yeah. It's like if you don't know that that's blown out, and you don't know that this sounds horrific, I I don't know how to help you. Yeah. You know, there's just. I can't yeah, it's, it's have a kind conversation of the, it's with that. It's kind of the opposite in in the way that we view stuff versus most people, right? If yeah, you're, we're if weird. You, if you if you're if you're you know pitching your film to a studio or or not a studio necessarily, but like if you're trying to get distribution or whatever, then you have to act like it's the best thing that yeah. ever. But mm -hmm. you know that kind of attitude with people like us can kind of be a little bit of a turnoff because. There's no humility there. There's nothing to talk about. If your film is the best thing ever, then what are we talking about? You know what I mean? I'm not going to. Well, that's why I wanted to you do wanna this. You want to talk about the struggles and strifes of of making that film and, and the issues that you came across and how you overcame them. And, that's why I wanted to do this this segment, because when someone says, what are you looking for? Yeah. If I send you a press kit to get on your show, that's what it is. We're looking for humility. Yeah. I don't I don't I don't need a, a You know, I don't I don't need you to pitch me why your film is so great. I want to see what your film is about. Show me the, and also here's another thing. Send us the film. We've had yeah. people send us the trailer and I- Well, I can understand them not wanting to just send the, the film right no, off but, the bat. But, but, but we've had a couple people say like, hey, if you're interested, let me know. I'll send yeah, you the yeah. link to think like, great. you know, Because <laughs> then you, you answer right back, you get the film, you watch it, perfection, wonderful. But when it's like, here's the trailer, I want to be on your show. Like, well, the trailer to what? I, I mean, I haven't seen this film. 
well, it's not available yet. Well, why the hell would I talk to him about a movie that I can't see? Yeah. You know, I, I need to be able to see it. I'm going to segue a bit on that topic before we close it out in that not every guest, certainly not every guest that we've had has had a link to their um website or vimeo or what have you but uh, but a few have quite a few have and i i do a lot of the instagram stuff Mm -hmm. when people reach out to us there i personally i'm just speaking for myself because you're like not so much with it but for me i love when there is a link in your bio Mm -hmm. to your website to all of your stuff yeah i'm still a huge fan of websites i feel like i should be you know, mm. f- swinging my cane when I say yeah. that because everyone's like, website. Who needs a website? I love websites. Yeah. And gone are the days. Gone are the days of having these like super elaborate, convoluted websites. Thank God. Yeah. It's not like when I say websites are necessary. It's like at minimum. Yeah. Just like a clean cut website that's easy to navigate. My God, if your button is half cut off, your yeah. menu button is like cocked to the right on my phone and I can't quite hit it and you just gotta like that's you have to fix those things because you you could lose people that way but when I can go to somebody's Instagram click on that link and be right at their media page Mm -hmm. and I can see through all of their work I could see through their reel I love that yeah that's really helpful it I'm not saying that you have to have it but if that is not the case then your then your work needs to be easy to find if you're like my film is available through www.filmclickyfilmlovers.teddybear.org slash forward slash love it. Yeah. And then you have to put in 17 codes and spit at the screen to what? Like, I'm not doing all of that. I'm not doing all I of mean, that. I mean, just spitting at your screen. It, <laughs> I mean, that alone will turn me off to watching your film. Yeah. I, I just don't want to have to do that. Like if you're if you don't have a website, then I'd better be able to find all your crap on YouTube, in which case you should have a YouTube link, something, you know, there should be a link to something for me to be able to find your work. If I have to search. Well, the problem is a lot of filmmakers, I won't, you know, they get to a a certain level and they don't they either never had one because they just always worked and and they worked through word of mouth and and, and that stuff. Yeah, but I'm not like, look, I'm not saying, okay, like, I'm not going to be like, why doesn't Jessica Lee Gagne have a website? She don't need one. I don't know if she does. She doesn't need one because I could find her work anywhere, right? Her films are out there. So it's like if you're established enough that I can find your work on Netflix and I don't need or whatever, that's mm-hmm. fine. But I'm saying when you're like on an indie indie yeah, level, yeah. if your work is hard to find, I'm just going to give up. Yeah. I don't I don't I don't suppose that Tarantino has a film page. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't need one. That would be funny. That's fine. Um, but you Go know, to like uh, stevenspielberg.com and it's like, right? here's my films. <laughs> well, what's, um, uh, what's my, my boy still has his page, like from the 90s. Uh, I don't know. Who's oh, that? God. Brendan Fraser. Oh, yeah. Like he still has his website up from the 90s. That's awesome. <laughs> it's, it's I like you just can't take that down at this point. Yeah, like, you yeah. just have to leave that up. Is it like a GeoCities website? <laughs> I don't even remember what it was, <laughs> but it's really, really old. Um, okay. So, okay. Moving along. So our second and last topic for this episode is the is Amazon Prime's crap decision to, to not give a shit about short films to basically poo poo on short films. If you recall, about five months back, yeah, we talked about our journey to the process yeah. of getting our film put on Amazon Prime, right? <clears throat> and the first thing they said was like, you have to have um, subtitles yep. on this. It's a must. And we were like, totally fair. Yeah. If you have a hearing impaired viewer, want them to watch a movie, that's fine. Okay, here's here's the company that can do that for you. $30, well worth it. Now the whole thing has captions. Nice. Mm-hmm. Okay, not going to I don't remember complain. the name of the um, yeah, company. I don't either. It's, uh, you know, it's, if, yeah. But I remember them being... Good. And yeah, it was easy good. To work it, with. And, yeah, and the good thing, uh, I probably talked about it in the episode, but you know, they had this really cool like app where you could like go in and edit it all. You know, they they did it all, and it didn't take too long. It was it wasn't very expensive, but then like they had this really slick way that you could just go through and watch your film and then edit all of the text real easily. And um, I found that to be super super helpful because uh, yeah, you have to do a little bit of work, but it's like for the price you're getting, yeah. 
you're getting 95% of your film dubbed, you know, and so that was that was super helpful. Right. So that was that was their prerequisite or whatever. Yeah. And we were like, okay, cool, fine. So we did that. And then we filled everything out that needed to be filled out. And they were like, okay, wait to hear back. You're going to hear back. And uh, we waited to hear back. It was in a pending status. Yeah. It still uh, is, I I believe. we, We kept waiting and we kept waiting. And then months, and then Christmas came, mm-hmm. and uh, then a whole other year started, and there was nothing. And I was like, wow, fuck this. <laughs> just, yeah. And so we put it on YouTube, because mm-hmm. it was just like, I don't know what the hell's going on. And of course, it's like, you know, it's like trying to talk to the man behind the curtain to get anyone yeah. on Amazon to like well, that's the, you talk know, to that you. That could be a whole topic of itself, is like a lot of these, you know, how do you, like, what how do you... What if you have an issue with Google? Are you going to call Google? You know, like <laughs> Google, Google. <laughs> like these these tech companies are so big, and yeah. Anyway, yeah, but you know what? No I I can get on the phone with somebody at Quaker. Yeah. All right, or Johnson and Johnson or some shit. Yeah. Right. I can get on the phone with these people if something's Google. wrong with my Cuisinart. I can get someone on the line. I may wait a while, but I'll get someone on the line if something goes wrong with my mixer. Yeah. But if you want to talk to somebody about something that you've invested money into yeah. and time into. Nothing. Uh, So we weren't hearing back. And I was like, just screw it. It Like, look, we weren't putting it on Amazon to make money. It's a 20 minute short. We were putting it on for free. It was just like, oh, that would be nice exposure and easy for people. Okay, fine. But it was like, just put it on YouTube. It's just more important that people get to see it. So there it went. Um, And then I read an article that Amazon has Amazon Prime Video Direct uh, has decided to stop accepting documentaries and short films. Yeah. Although technically ours was submitted before that decision was made. So Right. But it's not like someone woke up three weeks ago or two weeks ago and was like, oh, we're not taking short films and yeah. documents. They knew this shit was happening a while ago. And that's I'm suspecting that that's why absolutely fuck all was put into getting our film on there because they knew they were just going to have to take it off. Yeah. So it's like, okay. Um, so here's my great, look, <clears throat> I can, I can support a company and I don't even like using the word support cause I don't support Amazon and I do low key, not even low key. I hate them. I, was gonna say. <clears throat> I do hate them and I hate everything they stand for, but I'm not going to lie that like, I can't take that out on people whose content is on there. Right. Do you know what I mean? Because that's still a platform. I don't like them, but they created a platform that didn't otherwise exist. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, I'm not going to take that out on the filmmakers. Like, that's still their film, so I'm going to watch it. So that forces me to obviously have to support Amazon or whatever. But even in, in ordering from Amazon, it's like there's like there's stuff that we order, but if I can find it outside of there, I do everything I can to get it outside of Amazon so I don't have to give them business. Some things we can only find on there for very annoying reasons. Um, but so they decide to take this off, which is like, you know, it sucks, but could you not at least have sent out some kind of like mass email to people that had submitted yeah. or even had this article, ha- have this article come out when you knew you, this was even in the in the the talks. Do you know what I mean? Instead of being like, "All right, it's over." Like, well, when did you? You obviously didn't just make this decision yeah. well, yesterday. Then, then, like, then they risk the whole like people rushing to get their film on there. You well, know? no, because we at that point they could say, "Look, we're 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 halting submissions because we are considering getting rid of documentaries and shorts." Well, at that point, it's the same as just saying we're not accepting shorts and documentaries. Yeah, but I don't anymore. think we paid anything. I don't think so. When we submitted. So it's not like they're losing money. Why would they care if if they have more content no. that they're not going to to show? Yeah. It doesn't matter. That doesn't do anything for them. Now, if they were getting money off of those submissions, because the, the captions was done through a third party. Yeah. So it's not like we paid Amazon for that. So I don't understand. Like, why wouldn't you just be upfront and tell people so they weren't wasting their time? Yeah. Um, so now we've cracked the mystery of why we never heard back from Amazon because we submitted probably right around the time this decision was on the table for them. Mm-hmm. And their ass backwards way of handling this was to just 
drop the news when it was no Either longer that being accepted. Or which is what is more likely is they saw our film and were like, listen, <laughs> we got to stop taking these goddamn films because these me. are Excuse really me. bad. I have watched stuff on Amazon <laughs> that was very special. So no, I am not. I, the, I, we're solely you, if, responsible if for taking you down know, shorts on <laughs> Amazon because our film was so bad. Oh man. I'm going to kind of wonder that now. Uh, no, I, I have watched stuff on there that has been so like, you know, I'm a documentary whore. Mm -hmm. I'll watch even not great quality. And that doesn't mean that you sell yourself for a documentary. It means that you love documentaries. I mean, if it's the right documentary, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. What are we talking here? Yeah. Can I fund a film? That's what I'm asking. Um, but I have watched stuff that's like, man, this is, <laughs> this audio is terrible or whatever. Um, but even I have started watching a documentary and nine out of 10 times, it's not even the picture quality. It's the audio. When oh, yeah. I'm watching the documentary and this is what it sounds like. Mm -hmm. This is the, I'm watching. I can't do it. Yeah. I can't do it. It's over. And even though the story sounds interesting to me, I'm like, I can't do this for 60 minutes. There's yeah. just no way I'm going to be able to do this. And I shut it off. So Right there, we've got a leg up in that our audio didn't sound that way and our, our like video qual quality was pretty good. So I don't think, I don't think we single-handedly took quality, down. Video quality, sounds like a... Video a, quality. Yeah. <laughs> our image yeah. quality. Our photography. Our... <laughs> you have to be Our visual about it. Yeah. photography. Our aesthetics. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I just, I don't know. I just, it's like... I can't say I'm surprised mm. by it, but it's just like why I don't know. There, it, it seems like the the platforms that do feature short films, it's like you have to you have to sell your soul to get onto them. Yeah. They're very 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 specific, and um, again, people could be like, maybe your stuff just sucks and they don't want you on there. But it's like, it's it's I don't know, I, I don't know. It, it's a tough one, and and. Se to segue on that, uh, recently I'd seen a, someone post about um, giving um, Blockbuster its shout out, like the well-deserved shout out, because I guess Net Netflix is putting on that film about how Netflix took out yeah. what was accused of taking out Blockbuster or whatever. And somebody was like, well, yeah, it's the least they can do for like taking the company down. And I was like, first of all, yeah. first of all, Blockbuster was on its way out way before Netflix came around, okay? Yeah. Just way before it. That's issue number one. Issue number two, Blockbuster was never, ever the indie filmmaker's friend. Yeah. Ever. You did not go to Blockbuster for like obscure, low budget, any any of that. You weren't getting any of that at Blockbuster. Mm -hmm. Okay, it's called Blockbuster, yeah. okay? Yeah. So if your film wasn't bringing, I mean, and that's not to say that there weren't crappy films. They had like yeah, yeah. their fair share of like, weird low budget horror like crazy stuff i mean there was some stuff but realistically blockbuster would have to be the size of like costco yeah to house every independent film and also make it i remember when the, the the shift was happening and blockbuster actually did have a service where they were yes. like and then they kind of gave up on it so they had look you know things change and that's the uh the rough side of capitalism that nobody wants to talk about well corporation that corporations hate right you know it's always like capitalism on the way up but then you know you want socialism on the way down and it's like you know if if you're doing well and you're going up then it's like yeah this is great but then when you're going down it's like well i don't want to have to actually pivot and and do any work you know as a company mm -hmm. like blockbuster like you see the shift the paradigm shift coming and you have to be able to kind of pivot pivot uh with that otherwise you go out of business and that's that's capitalism. You live by the sword, you die by the sword. I, 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 you know, if we're stuck in this capitalist society, then the rules need to apply to everybody all the time. Yeah, that too. Yeah. That too. Um, That's what I have to say about that. I have a more archaic approach where I'm like, you suck. Yeah. <laughs> I'll leave it to you That's basically what to I'm give saying. an eloquent description of your feelings on that. Um, 
for me though, it was three main things. A, the business was already going down yeah. from from the the late nineties. I worked at a blockbuster. You did, and, uh, and, and so I you know were my there. arch nemesis because I worked at an independent video store, which mm-hmm. comes to part three of my complaint, which is that who do you think took out all the independent video stores? Karma, yeah. bitch. Yeah. I don't feel sorry for you. You know how many independent video stores had to close down because Blockbuster moved their asses in and they couldn't keep up because now everybody wanted to go to Blockbuster, which I don't understand also because the for for the mindless viewer of film. Yeah, Blockbuster was the place to go, I guess. But if you really if you were a cinephile, I hate that term, but I don't even know. There's just nothing else that. Equates yeah. to that, that says it the same way. But if you were a cinephile, you didn't go to Blockbuster. You went to the independent video yeah, stores because yeah. they had all the cool shit. Well, the crazy yeah, and movies like... good luck like, getting a movie that just came out opening week. Or movies came out on Tuesday. Thank but you. good luck getting... Thank you. The, if you did want to see a big budget you had film. To, you had to like sleep outside the door when yeah. they opened so that you could be the first one to fly in and get that video. Like how did they think that that was sustainable? I don't know. You know, like the... But that see, that's the problem is because the the way the distribution for studios went was that they favored the bigger places. Like, what was the other one? There was Blockbuster and there was another one, Hollywood Video yeah, or Hollywood something like video, that. Something like so that, yeah. those places kind of got like first dibs and the most copies of it because they yeah. could afford to buy more copies yeah. of it. The independent stores, they got they didn't get it when Blockbuster got it. They got it like maybe a month later and they got like four copies. Yeah. <laughs> so the entire neighborhood was fighting over those four copies and so then they started going to blockbuster because they'd have more copies but still you had people that were bringing them in late so you had to wait for that Mm -hmm. and you know it was just this whole it was the war of getting to that video and that didn't mean that you couldn't get that video bring it home and it was scratched yeah or it didn't work our problem the reason why blockbuster wasn't too big for us was because i grew up in astoria queens and Two, three blocks away from my house, two blocks away, was Video Time. That uh-huh. was our video store. And I grew up with that video store. Like six minute walk, boom, you were there. Something went wrong. It was annoying. But, you know, you could go back and yeah. be like, oh, um, Blockbuster was like a solid 35 minute walk. <laughs> like, Not here, man. So, I had two Blockbusters I could go to three if I wanted to travel like 20 minutes. But within 30 minutes of me. I had three blockbusters. Oh, no. See, we we had to walk. I mean, we didn't have a car, you know, so it was like you had to walk all the way down Stein, Steinway to Broadway to get to that blockbuster to be like, we don't have that. They're all out. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas like video time, you could call because they had a, you know, they, they had a relationship with you. Like we knew the guy's names. Yeah, I don't yeah. know them now. But we did. And we could call and be like, listen, I'm coming down. Save me the video. And they would. Yeah. Now, blockbuster, they wouldn't do that. Yeah. Uh, you know, you couldn't hold titles, but they would do that. They'd be like, I'm coming down tonight. Save me that video. And they did. And it was yeah. fantastic. I also worked at an independent video store. All the videos were illegal. It was really independent. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we were very, very independent. Um, but I got to live out my clerk's dream by working at a video store. Mm-hmm. And it was so far the best job that I've ever had. And you're like, Sashia, you're 41. Mm-hmm. That's sad. <laughs> Not even I. I don't. I don't even regret it. It was. It was such a fun experience, sure. um, and it was like. I mean, I'm sure. Obviously, now as an adult, I'd be disgruntled and be like, "We're closing." Yeah. But at you know, I was in high school. All of my my local like musician and skater friends all hung out there and at the deli next door because the guy who owned the deli next door was kind of like alternative. He was older though, but yeah. he was kind of like alternative. So he let all the kids hang out there. I didn't bother him. And um, so it was just like kids hanging out, then occasionally having to like chase kids out of the porn section. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's all independent film, independent video stores were good for when Blockbuster. Was, yeah, it was was the porn section. Um, the, we'd see you'd see the curtain like move, yeah. and you were like, get out of there! Yeah. <laughs> so, and they would steal the boxes. Yeah, they always stole the boxes, and it was just like God. Like, I mean, how long does that last? Till the internet. No, I mean like the the oh the just having the one yeah box. like yeah. just like how long does that box work for you that i don't know um so our biggest problem was that people stole our videos and we couldn't go after people because all of the videos were illegal yeah. so if you just never came back people were like willing to just never come back to steal the godfather yeah and that's what they did and so every time people come in they'd be like you have the godfather no mm-hmm. do you know when it's coming in no yeah. uh it's been out for seven months <laughs> 
any minute now. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, so we were missing a lot of classic titles, but you could get indie stuff. It's like, I don't feel bad for a blockbuster that Netflix, first of all, Netflix was doing something blockbuster wasn't doing. Yeah. Like you should have been, whoever, whoever was in charge at that time should have been like, hey, uh, DVD players and homes, we sell, D we rent DVDs, hmm. internet. Yeah. <laughs> Could well, watch they started on to, the internet. and then they just, they didn't do it yeah. because they, look, when Netflix first started, uh, it was a struggle, you know, they were losing money like crazy. So, you know, Blockbuster could, wasn't in a financial place to be able to take that loss. Yeah. Or they didn't want to or yeah. whatever. That was just my reason. I just, yeah. I, I, I found it kind I of funny. I will say though, when you work at, when you worked at Blockbuster, you got to watch all the movies early because they'd come in the day before and then you could take those home Monday night, watch mm. them and then bring them back Tuesday and then mm. rent them out. At least if you were an assistant manager like me. Elitism. Yeah. Um, okay. So th those were, those were our sort of, I guess, three topics that we ranted on for today. Um, we uh, also want to congratulate Beeple. Yeah. Who sort of, I don't know enough about it. I want to say that he sort of populated crypto art. Was he kind of the... Well, it was gaining thing? popularity, but he kind of brought it into the mainstream. Yeah, so, that's what um, I meant to say. <laughs> it'll, uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens over the next... You know, I'm interested to see where this where this lands when all the dust settles. Yeah. Right now, it's kind of a gold rush and things are skewed and it's hard to really judge what's going to happen. A lot of artists are making good money and that's great. Um, I hope it's sustainable. Yeah, I, I, I think I... To if I I've had to explain it to a couple of people that are like, what is it like? And I'm like, it's like if you mashed art, like selling art with the stock market, mm -hmm. pretty much. Yeah. Um, and having said that, uh, please don't like go broke trying to be a crypto art millionaire. Um, well, that, what's funny like, is like you know I I can easily see people like draining their savings to try to jump in on this. Yeah. Uh, you know, jump on the wagon of like, I'm going to make it. And it's like, look, it's a gamble. Like the stock market, like gambling, it's a gamble. Yeah. And you, it, it may work in your favor. It may not. If you have a little bit to spare and you're like, you know, screw it. Let let, let me try it out. Like, great, fine. But um, you can't get mad that you didn't win the lotto, I guess is my point. You know what I mean? Like if yeah. you got a scratch ticket and you didn't win, like how many like you can't fall apart. You're taking a risk. It's yeah. like maybe, maybe, maybe. So I think well, as great as is, it is, is, it can be dangerous it, for some yeah. people. That's from a collector side. Like a lot of people have made a lot of money just buying and reselling this art. Um, it's hard to say now whether, you know, buying this art is a, a, a smart long-term investment. You don't know. So mm -hmm. you have a lot of people buying a lot of these things, hoping that in a year from now, they'll be worth twice as much. And they may, I, I hope they are, but... Um, yeah, but just don't, may not, don't, you don't know. drain your yeah. kid's college fund to like hopefully become from a the, From the art artist side, you know, I've dabbled in it and um, I feel like, you know, I have a lot to say on it, but it's, it's uh, you know, look, there's, it's a whole can of worms because you have the, the social economical impact of how much energy it takes to mint one of these, but then you have like the thing of, <sighs> man, I can go down this road. Well, anyway, point is, is that it's, it's it's a whole thing. Like a lot of these artists that are making a lot of the good money have been doing this for a long time and have built up a following and have built up a catalog and been making or art for a long time. Have relationships with the artists, have and so they're supporting no, them. Yeah, or have relationships with with whatever. And um, I think a lot of people want to jump in and say, "Oh, I I make this stuff too," and maybe you do, and maybe you're great at it. But like with anything, it, it, you know, there's the part of it that is a popularity contest. In that, you know, if you have uh, if you're popular in that scene because you've been doing tutorials or you've been making art every day like people or whatever, um, then it's going to be easier for you to gain traction there. And so when people try to jump in and they're like, well, like for me, I, I'm a perfect example. I've I've made some art. I've, I've taken some of my old art and I've made some new art, put it up. And nothing sold yet. There hasn't been anything. But that does like... And you're okay. So, and I'm okay. Yeah. And, and so like that's... And, and But that's the mentality, right, is most people would be like, well, I tried and I didn't make any money, but it's like, not, nah, that's not how this works. Like those people that are going to make money right off the bat real quick, you have people making a hundred grand on selling a piece of their art. And it's like, well, I make something that looks like that. Like, you know what I mean? So yeah. there's, there's a whole lot but of there's, there's things, like... stuff that go into it. And, and, and you're going to have a lot of people, I mean, it's already started to kind of 
dipped down where you had everyone like bombarding all of their art on there and then they're like oh wait I'm, I can't make any money so now I'm just gonna hate it or just give right, up or whatever yeah. and it's like it's you got to be in it for the long haul like for me I'm I've made some I took some old pieces and repurposed them and put them up there I've also made some new art that I'm working on to put up there and so it's just the long haul and I think what's good about it is now for the people that would just make a piece of art and put it on Instagram and say and try to get followers or likes mm -hmm. now they have now they have a place where they can put stuff and maybe somebody will invest in it yeah. you know and so I think it's great and I think if you're not maybe in it for not, the long and that haul, doesn't then mean you're not uh, good or that exactly. your work isn't good it's just that's just look right now uh well maybe not right now but somewhere and recently before the pandemic at least there's a busker in a train station who is classically trained on the piano yeah who will never ever get a record deal mm -hmm. who will never make anything more than a few bucks a day off of the change that's thrown into their case uh and also at the same time an auto-tuned pop star just got a five million dollar deal yeah it's yeah, just I mean, that's it's, just the way I mean, it and, is and that's, you know? and that's that's art you know and you see it in in the digital art world where it's like you see this piece i've seen pieces of art and i'm like that is beautiful that that must have taken forever to mm -hmm. make and blah 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 and it's selling for like a thousand dollars and then you look at something i saw one the other day which was just a, a couple of 3d shapes and it sold for like 20 grand so it's like there's no rhyme or reason to it yeah um and that's not to say that those shapes aren't meaningful or you know i mean it's art right it's it's all subjective, subjective. um but and so there's no shade at that at all but point is 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 a lot of times it's hard to even with my even having been in the business and I can sort of tell like something that's kind of good or not mm -hmm. good or something that I know somebody worked hard on or somebody that's experienced. Um, even for me, it's tough to to judge that stuff sometimes because uh, art being that what it is like when you when you and this kind of goes to your point that you made about it when you have a canvas and you make a a, a, a fo you know a realistic looking image of a flower like you made that whereas yeah. like on a computer you can fake a lot of things mm -hmm. so you know you can grab templates and well, templates or or you know stock f footage or stock image put it in with your 3d render yeah, and people don't know if you actually made that or exactly, if it's stock yeah. and so there's a lot of like and look there's no hey right, expression like, is expression so like, like point I, is is that you never you never know I, I i recently started sort of dipping my toe into watercolors and i'm i'm still you know learning and trying to find my style and all that stuff and you know i can't like i can't uh get mad at somebody selling a piece of work that was like a circle with a brush stroke through it i mean what goes into that like nothing really goes into that but to somebody they like the way that looks and they'll buy that for a million dollars yeah. well, i don't know and I, and I, I, i'm I not gonna know. i'm not gonna be like well what's the point of my doing because I, I i just like doing the watercolor you know yeah. a couple of people have asked like, are you thing. gonna sell them and it's like i'm looking into like possibly selling pieces later but it, it's not why i'm doing it it's yeah. just like hey if somebody buys it then wants to buy an original piece like great but if they don't i just like creating art so that's just what i do but yeah. it's a you know my it's not contingent upon whether i can make money off of it you'd, you'd be crazy as an artist to for for your entire uh existence as an artist to be based on whether you make money i mean you know when you die yeah they'll be worth <laughs> so much more yeah. but starving artists there's a reason why well that's you know that's you know, that's that why you know term that's is coined. what's so good about this is that it, you know there's lots of good artists making good money right now and so you know a lot of artists have been able to say i'm not doing client work anymore or i don't have to do as much client work anymore or whatever yeah. i could take a break from client work whatever it is which is now good for people like me who can pick up that client work <laughs> <laughs> Like I'll Light think, you know? at the end of the tunnel, yeah. but it, but you have to like you have to. Um, I don't know, man. There's just so much, our culture is. So, there's so much like FOMO and like and and all that stuff going on, and I feel it too. Like I like I feel it. Like I feel that sense of like, wow, this person that I personally know just made a ton of money doing something that that they that I can do as well. Right. You know, not that they're better or I'm better. Or whatever. We both do this thing, and um, what good is it for me to be? jealous of that i mean the jealousy is good in terms of like if it inspires me to start doing what yeah. i like because that's the thing is for my art like i don't know i mean i could uh, but that's I like us that's like us being like why am why are we gonna bother making films if we can't find producers yeah I mean, that's, look, that's we like making my point. films, it's about you know, the, it's always for us, how many times do we people. see something that we're like, how the hell did that get a budget? 
how the hell did this get a budget? Somebody paid for this to happen, you know? And yeah, I mean, I, you know, I'm going to be honest. I mean, oh, we're, you know, we're so humble. Look, everyone has that. We all have that. You see something, you're like, what? Yeah. You know, we've watched trailers and, you know, seen films and been like, who on earth would pay for this? Someone yeah. invested into this movie and this is what came out of it. And, and you know what? Now that person just, even though it's like, they're directing like B films or whatever, but they're getting money to direct yeah. or write or whatever. And you're just like, how the hell is that happening? But you know what? It just does. Yeah. And so it's like, we have a, a tiny moment of rage in that moment where you're like, this is insanity. And then you just move on and you still make your films because that, that shit's going to happen. Yeah. And if you really love what you're doing, then it shouldn't matter that matter. other people are doing something with it that, that, uh, works for them monetarily yeah and and i mean it's it, nice and, but and, and it, it just is what it is right and 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 that that and that the good thing about that is it should the silver lining is that it brings uh notoriety to it and it it makes it possible for you to possibly do that as well you know um, the, the bo bottom line is just you know like we don't we, yeah chill out and like we don't want to have to have like you know like the crypto art you know aa meeting equivalent soon of like people that are just going to be falling I, apart know, because they've lost everything because well, there's they that stuff, yeah. tried to become rich quick but yeah i mean coming from the artist side i haven't c collected any art i bought one piece um from matt and um hey matt hey matt um but uh you know from the artist side i mean there's a whole thing of like people really like just fomoing hard and you know you have the you have the you have a couple different scenarios right you have my scenario which is like i'm really happy all these people are making all this money i hope i can make some money like that someday but probably not but i'm still good but i love doing it so it's no it's no sweat like if yeah well i mean i'm making if it you, but then you have the people that are like that are like seriously like trying questioning their existence yeah like trying like i gotta make this i gotta make the, i gotta get it now and freaking out and trying to like put anything up there and you know and they're just in it for the money and then you have the people that are like I tried, they didn't accept me and now I hate it, you know? So yeah. it's like, neither of which are good. Yeah. Neither of which are good for you. Let's chill out. Yeah. People made, but $69 million. And that's the, for the one piece, but he had made, and you know what? There's a moment where you're like, what? And then you're like, all right. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's, good you know, him. yeah, it's just like, I mean, you know, f for you and stuff like that, you're just like, holy crap, that would never happen for us. Yeah. Eh. You know, and then you yeah. like you just and then you're just like, well, good for him because I mean, he seems like a like a humble person, yeah, you know. Yeah. So, and then I always go to a dark place with things like that, right, right away, because I have this weird conspiracy where I feel like people that win those scratch tickets that get like ten thousand dollars a week a lot for life, I feel like the government starts like, uh, wait, I gotta get my tinfoil hat. Think, yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm like, I would be paranoid that government officials would be trying to run me off the road to stop those payments. <laughs> Yeah. You can't get ten thousand ten thousand uh ten thousand a week for like if you're dead. Yeah. You know, so Or um, you then you have that side of it, then you also have like, oh, you just won thirty million dollars in, in in the lotto and now everybody knows where you are. That's my other that was my other point, yeah. is that like um, you know, like people who are who are born into this, who are born wealthy, they're used to this shit. You know, yeah. they're used to having to protect their stuff, they got security cameras yeah. and all that stuff. But like the average person that doesn't know that's happening, right? And that happens all of a sudden. It's like, oh my God, my piece of work just sold for $7 million. Immediately, my brain is like, who knows where we live? Yeah. Who knows where we live? We got to get better security. We have security cameras. We get better security cameras. And then there's like, I don't know, there's a part of me that's like $69 million. Can you really trust your friends anymore? And can you ever have new friends? Yeah. That aren't as wealthy as you. Yeah. Right. Because who is actually your friend anymore uh -huh. and who's like, hey, can I get a loan? All of a sudden people start coming out of the woodwork that you haven't yeah, seen yeah. in years. And it's just like, look, listen, it's a problem I'll deal with. OK, <laughs> that's <laughs> what I'm saying. I will deal with that problem. But there's just like, you know, it's, it's the same with like with acting where I've said it before. People are like, I'll see you on the red carpet. And I'm like, you're not. I won't be on the red carpet and I'm okay with that. But then there's also this part of me that's just like, I would never want to be that famous. There was like, don't worry, you're not going to be. But I'm just <laughs> saying, like, I'm, I like my privacy and I'm borderline antisocial. I couldn't, I couldn't have people showing up at my house, following me around when I'm 
getting iced coffee or whatever the hell it is people do. Like, no, I, that that kind of thing to me is like, it's not, you know, it's like, well, you, you have all this money now, right? And I have to spend it on basically building my house up to be like Fort Knox so that I can be in my own fucking backyard because someone's going to climb over a bush to take a picture of me, you know, or if I go on vacation, I have to spend $70,000 on what could have been a $10,000 vacation because of all the security because I have to buy out the entire resort so that I could just enjoy myself like that to me just doesn't well, well, sound the, the, the good thing about fun. you know someone like people is that he's he can go anywhere still like right yeah but fucking well, knows but the but the immediate people like who know who he yeah, is yeah. you know i'm just like i would be like we're moving <laughs> like, and it's yeah. we're moving and we're getting lots of security because yeah. i don't trust anybody now yeah it's tricky too you know i mean the thing i will say about him is that you know i've never met him but uh you know we run in the same circles i guess but you know um you know, he made his $69 million for, like, making an every day for 5,000 days straight. And what's His the, art's really cool. Like, it's I, great. I don't, and what did he do really the cool. next day? He made another every day. You know what I mean? It's right. like he's not he's not the type that is, like, in it for the money. He just took he just took the advantage. Like, he just seized the opportunity. But also, for somebody to be like, he made $69 million for hardly doing anything, it's like he created artwork daily for a decade. Yeah. That's a lot of work. Yeah. It's a lot of work. It doesn't like seem like it kids, is to you. Like yeah, he, it's like that's a lot to His wife goes into do. labor and they, you know, because it, it's not like he made like five and then just released one a right. day. He literally made one every day. Yeah. Whether that, your, your wife's in labor or whatever, you know, I mean, that's, that's quite that's a commitment. commitment, you know. And okay. there's other people that do that, you know. There's people that do a piece of art every day. It's, it's a And t- it's, won't see a penny. Yeah. But they like doing it. So yeah. that's kind of been the point. This was not a short episode. No. I lied. <laughs> we went we started with two topics. We wound up with four. Mm. Uh, but that's just how we roll. Anyway, um next week we're gonna be talking to filmmaker uh Joe Marcantonio, mm-hmm. whose film Kindred is on Hulu. So I'm giving you the heads up now so that you have a week to watch it. We're gonna talk to him next week so you can kind of like maybe be in the loop. It's a really good film. It is a thriller, mm-hmm. kind of a psychological thriller. Really awesome film. So check it out. It's on Hulu. It's called Hindred. Kindred. Hindering <laughs> the kid. Yeah. Kindred. Um, we'll be talking to him. Shout out to Mograph. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, that's it. You know, thank you for uh, joining us and all the stuff. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Bye.